What's up, guys? This is former WCW wrestling star Glacier. Make sure to tune in to Chat, Grapple, and Cheap Pops with my buddies JB and Chris. So make sure to tune in whenever you can, or else blood may run cold on you. <laughs> Hey, what is up, wrestling friends and family? It is me, JB, and welcome to another killer edition of Chat Grappling Cheap Pops with me, JB. And let's introduce him this time. It is the best Finn in all of wrestling podcasts, Mr. Finn Martin. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm tremendous. Thanks for having me on. This is my first video recording in a very long time. So I apologize if the lighting is not fabulous, but hopefully I will be. Let's let's hope so. It is an absolute thrill to have you on. We can't be more thankful. Just a quick one to the listeners and the viewers. Chris is ill, so he's not going to be with us today. So it's just myself and Finn chatting about the world of wrestling. For those that don't know, you might already know, Finn is the former editor of Power Slam magazine. I mean, most people my age probably would have seen it at least once. Wrestling fans anyway. How and old are you, JB? Or do you not like talking uh, about your That's age? not a problem. I'm 36 years old. It is I, I remember picking up my first issue of Power Slam. It was issue 49. And I believe Ken Shamrock was on the cover. And what with the little supplement? It might the have been. Yeah, he yeah. did yeah. do and uh and that featured coverage of King of the Ring 98. Yeah. So your memory's perfect as well. Uh so what's going on? What have you been up to lately? I know you're, you've got the Power Slam podcast as well. What's, what's new, Finn? Yeah, well, I work with Inside the Ropes. We're doing podcasts with Kenny for six, actually over six years now. Uh, so we do like three podcasts a week. I'm involved with Inside the Ropes magazine. Here's the latest issue, which goes on sale in the shops tomorrow, um, Thursday, um, August 31st. So I'm involved with that. Um, I'm doing a few other things, which um, I'd rather not talk about wrestling related because they haven't been announced yet. And I'm not exactly sure when they're going to be released. Uh, and I've made promises about things in the past, which I haven't kept. So I'm very mindful not to do that of again. Course, yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, that keeps me busy, really. That keeps me busy. And we were talking about this before we started recording, just watching the wrestling. That takes up quite a lot of time, as people know. Wrestling at the moment can be very time-consuming. There is countless hours on a week, and that's if you don't watch things like Impact and NWA and everything else that's around the main yeah. two promotions that are currently on at the minute. Did you go to Wembley? I did not. No, I did not go to Wembley. I watched the show on Monday, but I wasn't there. I went to Clash at the Castle last year, and... Um, you know, I enjoyed the show, um, but I mean, it was, you know, it's an expensive business going to these events. And um, sometimes they're more enjoyable to watch them on pay-per-view or on the network. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that's, I remember we went to Clash of the Castle and we got we got seats, then we got upgraded to better seats. It's a long story, I won't bore you with it. And the view was better than it would have been, but it still wasn't very good. And then I reviewed Clash of the Castle for Inside the Ropes magazine and basically just had to review it as though I hadn't attended the show. I reviewed it from the WWE Network perspective. I was looking back and thinking, 
why did I bother going to the show? I actually had a great time socially. Met up with a lot of people there. Actually met up with some former Power Slam readers who I'd never met before, whose names I recognised. And that was that was really enjoyable. So the whole social aspect was terrific. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I went and, you know, would not have not gone in hindsight, but the actual experience in the arena, the big arena experience of watching the show, I didn't think was very good. Um, so I'm in no mad rush to watch another wrestling event in a giant stadium. Did you go? Were you there? Uh, yes, we, uh, we went to Wembley. It was, I mean, it was something, it was spectacular. It had its, it had its great moments. It had its incredible moments. It also had its other moments like i think i think stadium stampede was it came across it might have come across really well on tv but it didn't in the in the arena it well, in the stadium yeah there was too much going on too much like that you, you didn't see and it was it was just yeah it was just one of those things you would have I, I still haven't watched it back i will have at some point but i would have preferred to watch like a stadium stampede or a, one of those matches where they just disappear a lot, a lot of it, people disappear yeah, yeah. yeah just to watch it on the tv but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was, you know, watching it on, you know, the TV. There was, they went to a split screen a number of times, but there were so many things going on simultaneously that it was almost impossible for it to be a good TV event as a match. And I understand that that's what people expect from these matches chaos and constant movement, constant motion, and people falling through tables and, you know, lots of blood and objects and, you know, weapons, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think it needs to be organised chaos rather than chaotic chaos. And that's what Stadium Stampede was to me, was very, very difficult to follow, even on pay-per-view. You almost had to, you couldn't divide your eyes to the, each spot. The timing just seemed a little bit weird, like yeah, something was happening. And then before you could finish that sequence, like the next part was already, you know, someone was already on the top rope about to suplex someone yeah. else. It was like, give us a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Claudio was doing the giant swing and people were counting along and then somebody was getting thrown on Lego at ringside and the announcers didn't even call it and then yeah, something you missed else it. was yeah. happening yeah. simultaneously and you're like, it's like, slow down, you know, I mean, you're doing these big spots which are probably quite painful to take and which are supposed to add to the match really leave an impression and the they've just got lost in this you know sensory overload and that was very much the impression i took from watching that match and i wasn't there so i can imagine it was you know the whole thing was just like incomprehensible you know it was just this yeah it's just all these things going on at once and how could you possibly keep up with it all as a spectacle itself the show was incredible like there's no way to there's no way to take anything away from it. It was just, it was an excellent show. It had a, a lot of things going on. It had a lot of, you know, those big moments, those highs, you know, the fireworks and everything. It was just a, it was just a massive show and very different to Money in the Bank, which was what last month, month before, because we were at Money in the Bank as well. And... Oh, well, how, how much were the tickets for Money in the Bank? How much did you pay? Money in the Bank tickets were... Oh, that's a good question. I think looking about sixty quid each. Sixty quid. How much for the tickets? Oh, it was two. It was two shows, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah. So it was. We got the double deal. So oh, okay. I think it was about one ten for for the two for the two nights. Yeah, I mean the O2 is a really good venue to yeah. see. I saw I saw Metallica there back in two thousand nine, and like the band were right in the middle, just where the ring was. 
So, I mean, everybody's in a fairly good spot in the O2. It's almost set up like MSG, isn't it? It's like almost yeah. like a like an oval, I guess, would it be? Or it's not circular, is it? More like oval shaped? Yeah, it's, it's not quite the circle, yeah. But it, you're right about the O2. It does have, it has excellent sort of viewpoints. Excellent sight lines, yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, with the Wembley Stadium, it's a much bigger, bigger, obviously, it's four times the size or whatever, or even bigger, maybe nearly five times the size. And our Wembley, um, our Wembley tickets were more expensive. Were they? Yeah, for the one night. And I'll be honest, the seats that we had were a little bit off to the, to the if you were looking at the stage and the entrance, it was off to the right of that light. So you could only see the sort of the back of it. You couldn't, okay. you couldn't see the entranceway really, like where they would come out. You couldn't. We didn't know that they had that video, sort of staging bit, like almost like the the box, some of the boxing entrances. Okay. Where they have those big screens, like as they're walking out, it looks pretty good. But so, yeah, did, so could you see? The, could you see the Hook and Jack Perry uh, scrap on the limousine? Could you no, see that? No, I had to watch it on the screen, like um, above okay. the ring. Um, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was. I mean, I'm not knocking it. It was a. Uh, for the price, I don't think we got the best. I don't think the pricing was perfect right, okay. for Wembley Stadium. Right. And to be f- at, at, to begin with, the seats that we paid eighty pounds for were in the gods. Oh, were they? Yeah, it was only after one or two complaints that we got moved to the lower tier because they dropped the price in those upper tier seats to like thirty pounds. Okay. And to the point where the, I think the day of the show or the day on the day of the show, those tickets were going for like three pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did read about that. And the thing is, you know what it's like, because it's so tribal with AEW. Yeah. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about the, about the company. And uh, I was thinking, and I read that. I was like, wow, is that somebody being malicious? Or is that really true? That no, it was true. We we did look it up. And it was one of those things where, as a group, we think, maybe we should have waited for our tickets instead of getting pre-sale. Like, we could have got some... Like, a friend of mine got a floor seat for £50. Like, it was... Wow. wow. Yeah, but, was, that's, but that's, you know, that that's the same sort of mindset of, you know, do you buy your turkey for Christmas three days in advance? Or do you go down to Max and Spencer's or another you know, supermarket on the morning or afternoon of Christmas Eve and get one of those knockdown priced turkeys. You know, there may not be any. There may be some and there may not. So, you know, you've got you take chances, don't you? And often if you go making a long trip and there's a few of you, you want to know that you've got seats, you want to know you're going to get in and you want to know where you are so you can prepare accordingly, don't you? So, yeah. well, actually, and prepare your expectations accordingly. I mean, that's another big part of it, isn't it? You you enjoyed the show. You enjoyed a uh, all in. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I watched the show. I did a big review review of it that took about forty five minutes for inside the ropes this this week. Uh, actually, uh, yesterday it would have been. So, uh, I mean, I don't think I could summarize in just a few minutes my feelings on the all in show. So, actually, my some my feelings summarized on it all in are: I'm really pleased that they drew such a big crowd. You know, I think it was an amazing achievement that they drew 81,000 fans. I think the fact that they're coming back next year is really good for wrestling in this country and wrestling fans. I think this is going to provoke a reaction from WWE. You know, I'm still trying to, you know, process the whole John Cena um, appearance at Money in the Bank with Grayson Waller, where he's there pleading with management to bring WrestleMania to London. 
And, you know, Vince McMahon's had this long-standing policy of you don't tease something unless you're going yeah. to deliver it. But as we know with WrestleMania in America, you know, cities bid for it. You know, they pay WWE a lot of money just to host that event because now it's a two-night event and it brings tens of millions of dollars to the local economy. I don't think London would bid for WrestleMania because London doesn't have to. London gets huge events all the time. So, you know, would is WWE going to bring WrestleMania to London? I think there's actually now a good chance they will uh, based upon AEW's amazing performance at Wembley Stadium. I think they will want to bring WrestleMania here so they can sell out Wembley two nights on the trot, you know, two consecutive sellouts, just to really show, you know, really just to put AEW in the shade and just to outshine them. Um, but my, my overall view on All In was it was a fabulous, amazing success for the company and for wrestling in this country. You know, and that's, I think, I think I'd rather just leave it at that than go through every match again or review yeah, of course. All yeah. In again, because I just did that yesterday for about 45 minutes for Inside the Ropes. We were on our way home from Wembley Stadium. You know, you, you queue up your social media sites and it was a bit disappointing to see that the only thing people were talking about was CM Punk and Jack Perry. <laughs> I mean, we were all talking about what matches we enjoyed and how good it was and stuff. And then you go up and go, okay, never mind. CM Punk and Jack Perry have had some sort of altercation. It's been reported by everybody. Yeah. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. Here we go again. And, you know, we'd heard the stories, what was it, 10, 11 days ago, the backstage at Collision, Perry wanted to use real glass in an angle and some of the agents said, no, you can't. And Perry was like, well, well, I'm going to. And then, you know, this information was transmitted to Punk, who came along and had to step in. Quite why he had to step in as a wrestler, okay, a senior wrestler, but quite why a wrestler would have to step in, you know, to try and reason with a, a wrestler further down the pecking order is, you know, just another illustration of the chaos backstage at AEW. I mean, everyone knew that Perry and Punk um, were at odds. There was tension there. I mean, did you see Perry's appearance at that fan convention where he was asked about CM Punk returning? And, you know, he couldn't even put on a brave face about yeah. it. And it was just, at best, apathetic. Um, and at worst, opposed to it. This was before a crowd that, you know, genuinely wanted to see Punk return to AEW. And you're like, yeah, all those stories we've heard about how Perry, you know, he's associated with the elites, you know, he's taken their side in the whole mess last year, you know, so he doesn't really like Punk and like, yeah, he's just confirmed that. And then for him to break off from his match with Hook and say, you know, see what this is here, real glass, you know, go cry me a river. And, you know, and then there was, of course, Punk was going to confront him backstage. You know, it would be nice to believe that Punk would rise above it, but we we know how he is. We know what his temperament yeah, is. It almost feels like he's got to protect his own reputation on this one. Of course it is. It's almost like an old gunslinger thing, isn't it? He's calling me out. You know, I'm going to lose face if I don't confront him over this. Um, you know, very much, you know, the same principle as why the elite confronted Punk after he buried them last year at the media scrum. Yeah. I understand why they did that, and they had to do that. It's almost like a you know, like a, 
you know, hard man mob mentality, you know, prison type thing. It, where, it's Phil Mitchell, isn't it? Yeah, if you back down, then everyone will walk all over you. It's that mentality. And I absolutely understand why these things happen. But for yeah, for Perry to do that, you know, on the on the pre-show on zero hour, I mean, and just break off from the match. And he was doing it deliberately to provoke and to antagonize, to bedevil punk. And of course it did, and that led to a situation. And now we've heard these stories that Punk was having a go at Tony Khan and Samoa Joe had to step in. And I mean, but we there's no the discipline is isn't this. The problems from last year have never been resolved, have they? Yeah. It's, you know, there's tension there and all it takes, you know, is, you know, one small incident for it all to kick off again. We know how it's going to end. This is going to end badly. I imagine that Punk at some point will leave again and that'll be it. But he's still there for now. <laughs> you know, yeah. The suspension, right? Pending an investigation. I mean, to me, it seems pretty outrageous that he's been suspended. It kills because- all out, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and also Perry, we saw he did it on TV. This isn't a back, backstage confrontation that, you know, he said, see, you know, this person said that he, you know, according to these sources backstage, this person started it. No, according to these people backstage, the other person started it. We know who started this. It was Jack Perry on TV. We all saw it. When you, when you are, don't have discipline backstage at wrestling shows, these things happen. It's just that simple. I mean, I feel for the people that have bought tickets to All Out in in a way, like because if if CM Punk is suspended more than six days, yeah, which is possible, the people in Chicago that have bought those tickets to see Punk because he is the hometown guy, it's yeah. it's. I mean, I thought I thought the having All Out one week after All In was a bit weird and a little bit of a mess, but they've gone for it and you know they roll with it and now they've lost their one of their top two headliners yeah yeah well the the main guy for that show in that market undoubtedly and i mean it's possible that they can resolve it and he can appear on collision this saturday and he'll be at the show on sunday i mean if i was tony khan it seems pretty open and shut to me and mind you you know how how far did punk push it backstage did he overreact you know was he really obnoxious to tony khan and if he was then you know tony looks weak now and if he just bends and buckles and just brings him back too quickly you know his respect rating is going to fall even further so there is that to consider as well it's you know it's i mean obviously it's a bad situation but all of this could have been avoided with a strong management and instilling discipline and letting everyone know that this kind of behavior will not be tolerated. You know, when Perry went off in the first place about using real glass, I mean, someone should have had a conversation with him and said, this kind of behavior will not be tolerated backstage. You know, and if you're going to behave like this, there's no place for you in AEW. It's that simple, isn't it, really? Yes. There seems to be a real lack of discipline amongst certain sort of wrestlers and well, stuff I mean, because a lot some of them do get sent home but some don't yeah, it's... that's it but it, i mean it's difficult being tough i mean no one likes being the bad guy you know i mean i've had to be a bad guy many times when i was running power slam and having to you know have unpleasant conversations with people and when you're the boss that's what you've got to do you know it's not easy you know being in charge and anyone you know who's ever been a manager or 
you know, team leader or, you know, in charge of anything where they've had to like discipline people or suspend them or fire them or give them bad news. Anyone who's been in that position will know this. And it's, it's, it's very difficult and it involves making difficult decisions. And if you're running a wrestling company, there's a lot of egos involved, obviously, you know, there's a lot of uh, bravado and people, you know, puffing themselves up and acting like the hard men, even though, you know, they're they're in a, you know, essentially a make believe world. And um, you've got to be a tough leader. You've got to be strong, and you've got to let, you know, your locker room know that you're in charge, not them. You know, is, so, is this your way? Is this your I, way of saying you don't fancy being the Bill Watts of AEW? Then, <laughs> no. Well, the thing is, right. You you're obviously aware of the click back in '95 yeah. in WWF, right? Yeah. You know, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, one, two, three, Kid Razor Ramon, and they for a while basically ran WWF. And um, you know, Vince was weak at the time because his company was, you know, losing money. You know, and he was really struggling. And there was this effectively like a mini union of guys who were pretty much you know, running the company. And I remember doing interviews with lots of people or reading interviews with lots of promoters as well, who were who would essentially said, you know, this is this is ridiculous. This is absurd that Vince has allowed himself, you know, to be subservient to his talent, who are basically telling him who's gonna win which belt, who's gonna be pushed, who's gonna be booked. And it was a really tough spot for Vince there. And obviously he got through it and Diesel and Razor went to WCW in 1996 and, you know, things changed and the click, the click were no more. But for a time there, Vince was almost in this Tony Khan's type situation where he wasn't really in charge. And I remember back then people were like, you know, I can't believe that Vince McMahon, you know, the guy who created WrestleMania, the guy who took on the establishment and the NWA, the guy who, you know, destroyed, you know, the territory promoters has put himself in this position where his talent is telling him what to do. And this is effectively where Tony Khan is now, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a different way, of course, but still people don't respect him and don't feel like he's in charge. People think it's the talent who in charge. Um, and that's no way to run a wrestling company. I'll be honest with you, you're the first person to I've seen on any site or any social media or anyone that's talking to us like you're the first person to say to make that comparison of the click and AEW. And I think that's that's brilliant. Like it's I don't know why no one would have even come up would have seen that and thought of that already, but you've obviously got that one and man, that's that's a that's a really good yeah, that's yeah, it's, yeah. it's up and there. It's right. And he's right. I mean, I remember I did a very famous in- interview with Shane Douglas. Oh, yeah, Shane hated, hated the click, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. And it's in the Power Slam interviews, volume one. And it went out in issue 20 of Power Slam. And it was the best interview I'd ever done at that point. I'd already done some pretty big interviews. And, um, you know, this was a very different time, early, you know, early 1996, where kayfabe was still a thing. And the managed to do this really hard hitting interview in which, you know, Shane Douglas, Troy Martin had talked about his miserable experience as Dean Douglas in WWF and just how he felt it was the click 
and particularly Reza Ramon, that was somebody you personally really didn't like there, um, had conspired to just wreck his chances. Now, a lot of people have since said, no, you know, that's all been, he's been discredited. You know, he was a complete flop there, which he was. You know, he just didn't fit in. He didn't try and into blah, blah, blah. All these different reasons why he didn't make it there. And he tried to put the blame on Dean Douglas, Shane Douglas. And he absolutely didn't perform in that role. So he does deserve some of the blame for the failure of that character in WWF in 1995, no doubt. But I also believe that, you know, they weren't really helpful. You know, Sean and Razor and others. I don't think they were really working backstage to make him look good. And I think there was um, certainly resistance to um, trying to get this guy over. Um, yeah, I think everyone involved was to blame. But what you had there was machinery that wasn't functioning and running as it should have done, which is to try and get everyone over, especially when a, a company like WWF, which was really struggling in 95. Hogan, of course, was in WCW at that point. So WCW was doing better. Nitro would be launched that year and that would change everything. But I mean, you've got to work together for the for the good of the and the betterment of the team. That that's how it all works. You know, that's how every yeah. business functions and succeeds. And if you've got people, you know, under your own roof who are seeking to sabotage other talents to preserve their spots, then you've got a big problem. And if you're, you know, you've got a manager or boss or head booker or whatever, promoter, who's not stamping that out and getting people together and saying, listen, you know, we're, we're all on the same team here. We're all working towards the same goal. Then, you know, you, you just, you're not as effective and successful and, and efficient as, as you should be. So, you know, you just, in, you know, instead of, you know, working together to make things better, you're you, you acting backstage, you're putting fires out, you know, you're dealing with problems all the time. And it leads to very poor morale. Morale was terrible in WWF in 1995, partly because the money was so bad, but partly because people felt like the click was running the show um, and that it was very, very difficult to get over unless you were in with the click. And, you know, you just had that sort of almost two-tier system there and, you know, just all these, you know, people who just felt like, you know, they weren't being used to the best of the abilities because other people were conspiring to, you know, hold them back or hold them down. So I think it is a valid comparison. It is different, but there is, yeah. there is, well, there is the similarities there. EVPs, were they? Yeah, yeah, there's similarities there. Yeah, the the click weren't official, officially titled executive vice presidents of the company. <laughs> no, no, but they might as well have been. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that, that interview was like, I remember just, this, I can still remember doing the interview and thinking, I can't believe he's telling me all this. Wow. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, but, did you uh, ever feel, did you ever feel like at that time that some of the stuff you were, some of the stuff they were telling you was not necessarily printable? Uh, no, I think it all was. I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember there was a couple of things he said in the interview, uh, Shane Douglas, where, People had other people backstage had told him things that the clique had said about him, um, and things that they were seeking to do to basically, you know, ruin Douglas's career. And he made a point of saying to me, Finlay, you know, don't print this guy's name because he's still working there. 
you know, this interview, I think we did it in February. It was either January or February of 96. So the click didn't officially disband until I think it was May or was it late April? When was the curtain call? I think, was it, call, late I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was like that mid. Yeah, that April, May. Yeah, sort of yeah, late April. Yeah, late April, nineteen ninety six. The famous MSG curtain call, yeah. and that was the end of it. So the click was still, you know, running basically, you know, still a lot of power when this interview took place. So he made a point of saying, "Please don't print this person's name." I think the person's name was actually Savio Vega, who had like alerted to him to all the things that the click were doing to you know, just make his life a misery. And he said, there was other things as well. He said that he just said, please don't like print that. And of course you, you respect that because, you know, you want to have, have a relationship with his talent. You want to do an interview with him again one day. And, you know, and it, that's just a, you know, I don't refer, don't just, I don't consider myself to be a journalist, but some of what I do is journalism, I guess. And that, but that is a journalistic principle that you protect your sources or, you know, you know, observe the wishes of your sources so they those people will continue to communicate and speak yeah. to you and pass information and to you and whatever you know we've had that in interviews ourselves where there are some bits that we've had to clip and cut because they've said okay no I, you can't use that like yeah you know, please don't you know that's you know that's between us you know and it's like that's yeah. fine like we're happy to of course do that like it's oh yeah well absolutely because it means especially in a podcast format you know people can just end up saying stuff that, that like oh dear you know yeah. you know that could be you know, could get sued for that or maybe that's not true or maybe my rec you know recollections vary that's the phrase isn't it recollect oh, was yeah. it recollections may vary i think that was the phrase that the palace used didn't they regarding uh a certain couple when they put out a uh <laughs> you know did some interviews with a certain uh woman in america recollections may vary yeah it's uh also, it also seems very helpful when people put the word allegedly in front of everything. Yes, of course. <laughs> how does uh, how does the bloodline end? Um, how does the bloodline end? Well, presumably it's going to be Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania, right? Now, I thought Cody was going to win this year at WrestleMania, and I think I think we all did. Yeah, I think probably eight, eight or maybe even nine out of ten people thought that also. So it looks like it's going to be Cody versus Reigns you know, in 2024 in Philadelphia. And presumably that's when Cody wins the belt. He can't fail again, can he? They can't allow him to fail again. I think you'd lose every piece, every ounce of momentum with Cody if he gets beaten again in the biggest sort of situation of yeah. his career. I think it. I was surprised that they rolled with Roman at this year's WrestleMania, but it made sense It eventually. It you yeah. know there's there's still more story to be had. I'm not sure how much more is left. With yeah, with I, I, I'm and with you there. And... Yeah, I mean, well, it's like you know, presumably Jimmy's going to be on SmackDown this week. I mean, that was delayed for obvious reasons. Yeah, due to Bray, uh, you know, Bray Wyatt sadly passing away. So he'll be on SmackDown this Friday, I imagine. Um, well, I think they've announced that he's going to be on SmackDown this Friday. So I'm curious to see what he says. And how this storyline is furthered. Um, I don't think we've heard from Jay since he quit, which would be what will that be? Two weeks ago now? I think two, it was two weeks ago. Two yeah, it was weeks, the yeah. um summer, it was the SmackDown after SummerSlam, wasn't it? When he yeah. quit on TV. So um, I mean, Jay to me, I'd love to see him turn up in impact or turn up, you know, just 
you know, on loan from WWE, of course, he's still under contract. We know he's going to return. But I'd like to see him really sell his storyline by having him appear in other places. So we've got Jay Jimmy. They've said they want the match at WrestleMania, but they can't spin it out until then. I mean, we're still in August, you know. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's going to be Reigns versus Cody. I think Reigns will then turn babyface after he loses the belt. I think that's the right direction for him. I don't think he'll need to really change his character very much at all to be, you know, epically over as a face. I am disappointed that Brock Lesnar has not got involved in this tale. I thought he would. I thought he would. There'll be like an uneasy alliance between Lesnar and Reigns. Um, wow. If you, okay. If well, if you remember after WrestleMania, when Lesnar did the attack on Cody, yeah, Paul Heyman made a point of saying, "I knew nothing about that at all." You know, in a way to let us know that yeah. he obviously did know. So I thought, is this the start of Lesnar becoming like a member or an affiliate or an associate of the bloodline? And I just think that would have been incredible. You know, Reigns there, you know, Reigns and Lesnar obviously had all their battles last year. And, you know, th this is a guy that Reigns is really afraid of because even though he just lost to Cody at SummerSlam, lost to Reigns last year, everyone respects Brock Lesnar. Everyone knows what he's done and what he can do. And I think Heyman would have been dynamite in that situation, just working with them. You know, like he was, remember when we thought that, um, remember when uh, Heyman got beaten up by Reigns and Reigns didn't trust him because he thought that yeah. Heyman was um, affiliated with Lesnar, secretly working with Lesnar and working against the bloodline. And you could have like a version of that story, but it would have been different. And enough time has elapsed now that I think that would have been, you know, fresh again and a novel. And, you know, these guys are talented enough that they could make it work. So I think there was a ton of mileage in a Reigns and Lesnar team, you know, with them not trusting each other. They could have done Reigns and Lesnar versus Jimmy and Jay. Reigns and Lesnar versus Cody and Seth. I mean, these are, you know, these have been colossal matches. So yeah. that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really kind of shortchanged that this hasn't okay. happened. But part of the reason for that is, I built this up so much in my mind that it was going to happen. We, um, you know, as armchair bookers, we do this. And I remember, right, oh, this is going to happen for sure. And then it didn't happen. And you feel like such an idiot when you make these predictions and stuff doesn't, things don't, you know, pan out, which, you know, is part of the job. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I like it seemed that Lesnar turned face after the loss to Cody at SummerSlam. I mean, I could turn heel again, but I don't think we're going to see Lesnar for a a little while, probably not until the next Saudi show. So, uh, Saudi uh, show or possibly a Royal Rumble or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you think it's going to end? I think I feel like Cody will be the one to win the belt. And I, and then I think Solo will turn on Roman, which brings about Roman's babyface turn. And then Roman puts Solo on the way out. I think Roman's looking to slow things down. And I mean, I mean, you can't really go much slower than the way Roman does things at the minute, but. No, it's yeah. Solo will be. It feels like they're building very slowly. You know, it's, it's the those little subtle touches where he bumps into Solo by mistake, and you know, and the 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 shooting of the daggers with the eyes and stuff. It's. I feel like Solo is going to be the one, unless, you know, you get a, something else in the in between, like, you know, someone else pops up and he becomes the the guy to go with. But it feels like yeah. Solo could be the one. 
Yeah, po yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I don't know whether we're going to get this appearance by The Rock. I, I actually, I don't want to see Rock wrestle. But no, like I think I think that time might have been and gone as well, the chance for that. Yeah, but I, I think I'd like to see a confrontation between those two, between, you know, Roman and Rock. I think that could be special. Um, I guess the danger of doing that is that it's that, well, you've you've <laughs> you've dropped the hints now that this is going to happen and then people will want that more than what they actually present. Yeah. So if they don't give us that, I will understand why. Um, you know, again, that whole thing of, like I was saying earlier about Cena and, you know, saying, oh, WrestleMania needs to come to London. You know, don't, you know, hint or suggest or tease something that you're not going to deliver. And that's, you know, a WWE, longstanding WWE policy. You know, we don't do that because it's bad for business. And it means that people are then disapp disappointed by what we by what we do give them because they want the thing that we've just hinted that we might give them, even though we never had any intention of doing so. I mean, he had the arena shaking at that point. It was it was quite a noise, like in in my ears, especially when I was standing like standing there. Like one, we didn't expect to see John Cena in the first place. Then he drops yeah. a line like that, and you're like. Hang on a minute. Surely not. Surely they're not thinking about this. And maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Maybe they weren't. Like, I, I think they are. I, I think. I think. You know, this is Vince's territory. It's been Vince's territory since 1989, right? <laughs> and like, AEW has muscled in with this mega show at Wembley, and I think you know Vince and the rest of the gang, their egos are bruised right now. You know, maybe like, you know, maybe worse than bruise. Maybe, you know, maybe the egos are in plaster casts. Uh, and I think they're going to want to come back swinging to reassert their authority. That's my prediction. So I think this WrestleMania, I don't know, because for all the reasons I've already explained, it does seem in a sense like a long shot that, that they would do it. But if they were to announce yeah, WrestleMania in, you know, 2025, two nights in London, you know, they're back on top because they'll sell out Wembley two nights running for that because people oh, yeah. are flying from all over the world. No doubt. So, but just like lots of people flew in actually for all in, didn't they? Well, there was, um, I was, someone I knew, like their their brother had flown in from Dallas. Wow. To watch AEW and then flew back like the next, or the next day. Yeah. That's insane. Like. It is. It is. Yeah. But a lot of people are in love with AEW. So, um, you know, you'll do these things for love. Now, you you were obviously you were writing in the in the glory days of the Monday Night Wars and WCW and WWF. How does it differ the WWE and AEW battle as opposed to the WCW one? Uh, well, I mean, basically, you know, there's not AEW's not on the same night as wwe they're yeah. on different nights and wwe is drawing loads more viewers so you know there's not really any comparison in but, my opinion but wcw never had the the nuts to uh, the, for, for lack of a better word the nuts to to try and do a wembley show or a oh no no of course they didn't. no of course they didn't no you're right you know and, and i'm sure wwe is saying well a lot of the people there are fans because of us and that's absolutely right. You know, lots of people who were in Wembley because they're fans of WWE. I know some people who went to that show because it was AEW's first show in the country. 
it was at Wembley, which was a draw in itself because it was a novelty of seeing a wrestling show at this giant stadium. Um, I know a lot of people who, you know, well, no few, not a lot of people, I know a few people who went to that show who don't even really watch AEW. In fact, don't even really keep up with wrestling anymore, but went along for the social aspect and because they thought it'd be fun. So I'm sure WWE is smarting and thinking, well, a lot of those fans are ours. We created those fans and they did. That's absolutely true. So I don't think there's really any similarities between what went on between, you know, 95 and really sort of, what was it, mid-98. I guess you had like nearly three years where it was competitive. Um, and what's going on now? Because WCW for a time was the number one company in the States. And AEW is not the number one company in the States. And I don't think it will be. I think it's basically gone as far as it's going to go in terms of viewership now. And you know what? That's not a knock on them. That's not to belittle them. No one's belittling AEW after what they just did on no. Sunday. But it's just the reality of where they're at. You know, they're hitting, you know, 800, high 800,000 for Dynamite now. What did Collision do? Sadly, what was Collision's number? Did you see Collision? Uh, five, five, six, or something like that. It was, yeah, right. Well, they're doing between like you know 450 and like you know nearly 600,000 viewers on Saturday. I know it's a different time now and it's harder to draw ratings or you know viewing figures because it's just a different time and there's more entertainment options and it's just a you know, it's no one's going to draw five million viewers on a, a Monday or Wednesday or Friday, and certainly not a Saturday anymore. It's just not going to happen in 2023. But I, I don't think, you know, there's really a, a battle there. You know, if Tony Khan said, right, I'm going to put Dynamite on Monday nights head-to-head -head with Raw, I'm going to put it on Friday nights head-to-head -head with SmackDown, it's a different conversation. But that's not going to happen because he knows what would happen if he did put his show up against WWE show. MJF, stick or twist in 2024. What do you do you think he what you mean is stay, he gonna stay? Yeah, stay or, or go, yeah. What what would you I think he's gonna stay? I think he's gonna stay in AEW. I've I felt that after watching the Wembley show. I felt like he's he's in the perfect place. He is the he's the king of the mountain right now. Like, and that's not a slight on Jeff Jarrett, but he is he's the top guy. He's there's not many times in a main event of a massive show people are cheering for the champion to keep his title. We just don't, you know, it's not something that I've seen when I've been to shows. Like they they want a title change, they want that big moment, and people were solidly behind Maxwell on at this show. I yeah. think his his maybe his smartest move, and I've never I've never said this before. I think maybe his smartest move would be to stay where he is. I agree, absolutely agree. Yeah, that's what he should do, and that's what I believe he will do. Um, I mean, he's got a great gig there. Uh, he knows the people he's working with and working for. He doesn't appear to have any heat with anyone. He's, you know, he's, he's keeping a safe distance from all this aggro backstage. You know, he's smart enough, I'm sure, to see what's going on and not get involved on any level. Um, if Punk returns, which I, I think he will, um, it's going to be presumably punk mgf maybe in november november pay-per-view um and i'm curious to see who wins that i would think it would probably be mgf certainly if he's re-signed by then but yeah i mean tony khan's gonna pay him a lot of money to stay 
he's still only what is he 27 i think he is yeah, i mean if he signs a three-year deal he'll only be 30 when this expires that's still young enough for wwe to invest in him long term um, you know, he's got a really light schedule in AEW. I mean, I know he's been wrestling more recently than he he did earlier in the year. Um, but he's got a really good thing going there. And yeah, there's no way he's leaving. Just no chance. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect way to show how valuable you are when others around you are causing all sorts of trouble and strife. Exactly. Like just get, keeping exactly. your head down and getting on with it, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He's he's like uh, bringing this sense of calm, you know. He's and professionalism—that's the word. We were expecting Punk to come out at the end of the Wembley show and with the the real world star. I, every time I hear that, I hear Ric Flair say it: the real world championship, and them to have that face off stare down. But it, it obviously it never materialized, and. I, doubt it was even in the plans but well i mean obviously mjf the mjf and cole story is still ongoing isn't it so um you know lots of people will be tuning in tonight to see you know what happens next there is there going to be a rematch this sunday are they going to defend the ring of honor tag team belts you know is is there going to be cole and roderick strong going to team up and turn heel on proper on mjf well strong's already heel but cole turning heel proper on mjf so this could go in many different directions yeah, MJF's doing really well right now, and um, you know he's the centre of attention. You know, you can see he's really comfortable there. That's a word you don't hear that often from wrestling commentators. Comfortable, yeah. and in some ways, you know, the comfort zone, enemy of all promise, and all that, and getting too comfortable in anything in life, I think can be, I think can prevent you from reaching your true potential and fulfilling your aspirations if you get too comfy because you should always be you know you should always be that little element of danger and the unknown there because that's going to push you to be better and to do more and maybe experiment and take chances you otherwise wouldn't but um you know i I don't sense any sort of i don't i don't sense with mgf that he's taking his foot off the accelerator accelerator pedal on the contrary i think he's really just pushing it and you know he's taking this Adam Cole's storyline much further, I think, than any of us thought it was going to go. Um, so I, I don't think he's any he's going to leave this company. Why would he? And um, there's a lot of mileage in it left yet. And why rush the punk thing? I mean, <laughs> we might be saying, yes, well, we really need to do the punk thing now because he's going to get fired. Well, maybe that's a reason to rush the punk thing. <laughs> you know, someone, someone, someone messaged us. Get the punk thing on the get the show on the road with the punk thing. Because he might not be around much longer. Well, someone someone messaged us and said that Punk is in trouble again because he wants to main event WrestleMania Night One. <laughs> I mean, how that how that works, I don't know. But I mean, that would have to be a firing and all sorts of craziness. But oh, what well, is that? Is that something that's just come out? No, no, it's something that we got a message. Um, it must have been Sun Saturday, Monday even. Got a message on Monday saying that CM Punk, like I think it was more in jest, but saying that CM Punk's causing more problems so he can wrestle, he can finally main event at WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, like it's, I mean, it's yeah, well, there's that there was that story, wasn't there? Came out and was it fightful saying that oh he's you know he says he's miserable there, and then he appeared at the was it the Cauliflower Rally Club um event, didn't he? This week he was pictured with JBL and Ron Simmons. Did you see that photo? No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm sure he was at the CSC this week. 
and he appeared at that. Um, you know, and always, you know, Punk was Punk and Layfield, I think, had you know, I think there was a few problems between them back in the 2000s when Punk first arrived in WWE. And I bet they've now got this real sort of affinity as these (laughs) little little kinship, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be like, yeah, I understand now, you know, so. I saw the picture of Punk taking the underground to his hotel. That's uh... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I saw that one. I mean, how how much of a mix-up is that, or is that by design? I mean, I mean, the mind boggles, doesn't it? I mean, some people say that's not true. I mean, but it seems genuine to me, the photo. Um, and he's there, he's got his bag and he's got his, you know, his, his little like bum bag over his front, which no doubt he's got his money and his, you know, passport in and everything and all his valuables. And um, I believe some uh, fans had to direct him because, you know, yeah. what the underground's like, if you're not familiar with it, can be quite a daunting prospect getting on the underground. And I imagine it's many years since he was in London. He's obviously he has wrestled there before, but not for many, many years. So yeah, it's it's hard to believe that something like that could happen. But then again, you know, it's hard to believe, you know, that Jack Perry would stare into the camera on a pay-per-view on AEW's biggest show in its history and deliberately provoke CM Punk. So, you know, when you get yourself into the mindset that yes, that's possible then almost anything's possible, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's it's an odd one. I mean, could Perry have been disillusioned with his position on the show? Do you think he felt maybe he could have been higher up the card, something like that, and he's like looking to create a stir about himself? And Well, maybe, but I mean, it's, don't it's not unheard like that. of, is totally it? Yeah, unprofessional. No. I said on the podcast with Kenny this week for Inside the Rubs, it's a sacking offence. Should have just been fired immediately after that. If I was if I was in charge of AEW, he, he would not be working there any longer. He would be fired. They, I mean, firing him would make it would only make him very valuable elsewhere, wouldn't it? Well, but who cares? I mean, who's Jack Perry? I mean, okay, he's made a little bit of progress as a heel. He's done all right, but after he turned heel, he was really stumbled those first few weeks. I think he's finding his feet and he's sort of getting there as a heel. But what the message is send is the important one is that we are not tolerating people stepping out of line and there will be discipline in this company. And if anyone crosses the line and goes into business for himself, which is precisely what he did, they will be fired. And it will immediately send the message to the locker room that this kind of behavior will not be tolerated. So yes, sack him. That's what I say. Just get rid of him. I mean, okay. you can't, you, you know, you can't, you can't act like that. You can't. To I mean, me, we've we've spoken many times on on this show about the lack of discipline and how it's it. Maybe Tony needs to be less of a mate and more of a boss. And well, exactly, yeah, and absolutely right. And I mean, I just, I was, I mean, I was absolutely out outraged when he did what he did on that show. I just thought this is, this is just like. Did you feel it was a, a a massive dig when you were watching it live? Because we we didn't see him, we didn't see that bit again on the screen. Like was, we didn't see it. Him, like it was just him going into. It was him like being. It was like school playground level antics, and it was just like, why are you doing this? And just think of the pecking order. I mean, Jack Perry's like a second, third match guy. CM Punk's the main event guy. I mean. Can you imagine, like, you know, a third match guy doing this to Hulk Hogan in 1988? 
They yeah, wouldn't I think, be I think again. someone someone did. I think uh, Raj Giri said it was uh, it was like Val Venus doing something to Steve Austin in '98. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely, wouldn't I mean, it absolutely wouldn't have been tolerated. It would be. That's it. He would just be. He would be told um, you were suspended, and uh, we'll make a decision uh, about your future, and and that decision will be you're not working here anymore. Do you because, think Curry would be back? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I mean. You know, I think it's a shame for him in a sense because I think, you know, he has made a little bit of progress lately as a heel. Um, and I think he's just just done himself in really with this. I think I think even people who don't like punk would look at that and say th- that was there was no need for that at all. You know, this just as you said, instead of people talking about all in and the biggest show in the history of AEW. What's everyone talking about? This ridiculous confrontation backstage between Jack Perry and CM Punk? I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just kind of, it hasn't spoiled the success of the show because the show was such a huge success that in time this will pass and people will just talk about, wow, you know, what a crowd they drew and rightly so. But at the moment, you know, it's what we're talking about it now. Yeah. I mean, it's just absurd. You know, it's just Do you think there's a problem with people running to the sheets though about these things so i'm pretty sure these guys well this, is, well, this has always happened this yeah. is you know this is not a new thing at all this has always gone on it happens so... a lot with AEW though like it yeah, yeah, yeah it's a was, lot yeah. like it, it didn't feel like it happened a lot with like wcw and stuff like that like back in the day like oh it did do it, it happened all the time you but, know this is, this is just just the way it is i feel like if if for whatever reason, I were Tony Khan, I'd be saying, please, like, let's let's stop running off and telling these guys that there's a problem. It only makes us look bad. Well, I mean, you can't do that because, you know, then you'll be accused of being a dictator. I mean, you, you know, you could say that, but you've got to say it in a polite way. I mean, you can't you can't ban people from speaking to people in the press because they're going to just do it anyway. You know, this isn't North Korea, so it's going to happen. Um, but the way you handle it is you handle it like a boss and a leader and you listen to people and you you know listen to their grievances and you try and work with them to reach a compromise and a common goal, which is for the betterment of the company. You don't run away from a problem. You tackle it. You know, it's like if you've got like a, a wound that's gone septic, you know, you don't ignore it. You seek treatment, don't you? Otherwise, yeah. next thing you know, they'll be cutting your leg off if you don't, you know, if you don't have it treated and um, and sort it out. I mean, it's just one of those things. You've got to, you can't, you can't flee from these problems. You know, you've got to, you've got to deal with them. You've got to face them down. You've got to get people together. I mean, you know, when Punk came back, he did that big interview with, I think it was ESPN, that ESPN, the big famous interview he did with them. And he said that he'd reached out to uh, Young Bucks and Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega and was told by their representatives not to contact them and there was they weren't going to work together. There was going to be no feud to capitalise on the events of last year and don't contact these people again. So... <laughs> I mean, you've reached a, a dangerous point there where, you know, the boss is not the boss. You know, Tony Khan is not in charge. 
these wrestlers agents are in charge and to me Tony Khan as we know he just recently re-signed Kenny and the books and Hangman Page to huge long-term contracts I think they're all earning well certainly the books are earning seven figures a piece I'm sure Kenny is not sure about Hangman but they all sign these new deals now the condition of signing the new deal which they did after Punk had returned should have been we're going to get together and we're going to squash this we're going to douse this heat we're going to put this fire out you know we are going to sort this out we're going to work together we're going to iron out all these problems blah 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 so we have a good working environment backstage which is what everyone wants right they don't want tension when they come to work they don't want bad morale otherwise it's 1995 with a click running the show again Oh, it's WCW towards the end. Oh, it's ECW when they've run out of money. Well, I guess run out of money is a different thing. But it's like you've created a situation backstage where it's not harmonious. And I'm not saying that it would be if Tony Khan got them all into a room, but I bet it would be better than it is right now. But to me, that's what Tony Khan should have insisted as a condition of... Well, we know CM Punk's willing to work with these people because he said so. Um, but these other guys, they don't want anything to do with it. Well, on condition of you re-signing um, with this company and getting these massive deals, then let's at least have a conversation with CM Punk and let's see if we can do business. You know, okay, if they can't reach a compromise, fair enough, at least we tried. But to the best of my knowledge, they didn't even attempt it. So the fact that, you know, this was never resolved means that it was just going to fester, and that's exactly what's happening now. And we saw that on Sunday with Jack Perry, who's a associate of the elite. Perhaps he thinks he's going to be protected by those guys, and maybe he will be. You know, I don't know. But, you know, this is... You know, we're talking about this when we should be talking about other things, and it's yeah, all down course. to a failure, right, to communicate well not failure to communicate well in a sense a failure to communicate because the communication is not happening between these warring factions it's you know this situation that's never been been dealt with and um you know the you know they should be all these branches should be getting extended they should be burying the hatchet smoking the peace pipe you know you pick your cliche you know pick, pick your phrase to me this should have been dealt with and sorted out you know it's just that simple well, we always felt that the money, the money match was CM Punk and Kenny Omega. Yeah, well. and it's, it's at this time, you know, the way we're talking, it's not happening. It's not going to happen anytime soon, and they're leaving. I say relatively big money on the table, like which is yeah crazy yeah. in this in this world. But yeah, it's uh one thing you did say about uh, people airing their grievances. I can only imagine Jack Perry going to Tony Khan saying they won't let me use real glass, Tony. Sorry, mate. Off you go. Like, what do you expect? And then you know, we had the real glass and um, they did the fisherman buster spot on the cow windscreen. Yeah. And someone was caught. And it's just like, you know, this is the like an opening match and you're doing all, all this stuff, you know, all these stunts on cars in the opening match. When in, in on the pre-show, it was the pre-show, wasn't it? Still. Yeah, exactly. We've got yeah. all these other crazy matches with all these, you know, crazy gimmick spots and props and objects and blood etc etc and it's just like well by doing that on the pre-show you know you do it's you're diminishing the impact of the violent matches later 
on the show. So, you know, it's all about, you know, pacing and, you know, not doing too much so that your audience is totally fatigued later in the show. Happily, you know, for AEW, this was a lively audience and, um, you know, there was good enthusiasm for most of the show. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, it was a hot crowd for the most part. I mean, there were some quiet moments, but it happens everywhere. Every show gets, you know, the the, the quiet match and it does yeah. happen. But yeah, yeah, this was a very, very lively crowd and we were, I'm happy to say we were part of it. It was quite, yeah, it was quite an experience. I, I imagine we'll be back for next year's one as well. And be interested to see what WWE have planned for 2024 as well in the UK. Yeah, yeah, agreed, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea, but I imagine there'll be a reaction. I'm sure there's going to be a response, <laughs> a counterattack. What's what's coming up for you, Finn? What's what's coming up in the in the near future? What can we look forward to seeing from you? Well, I'm you know I'm just just sticking you know with Inside the Ropes magazine. You know we've, we've got a big issue coming up um, end of September. Obviously, lots of lots has happened recently. Most of it, or lots of it, you know, really. Tragic, you know, with Bray and obviously Terry Funk died as well. So we've got a big issue coming up in um, September. Um, you know, just continuing to do the podcasts and, um, you know, that keeps me busy. I mean, it's um, it's a full-time job keeping up with everything. And, you know, I do like Q&A for the magazine and do the news, do a From the Top column. Um, in the latest issue, I did the review of SummerSlam, which seems like a long time ago now. And it was actually only earlier this month wasn't it yeah. i mean so much has happened since then um so you know i was really pleased with that um i can't tell you what i'm going to be doing in the next issue because it hasn't happened yet and um you don't uh you don't want to jeopardize something before it's confirmed no, of course. And, yeah. and done and uh, in the can so to speak so uh you know the the thing that hopefully will happen either this week or early next week you know, I'm really excited about that, but I'd love to tell you what it was, but uh, that would end up jinxing it. It probably wouldn't happen. We we have that. We uh we don't we refuse to announce a guest until after the until after the chat has happened. Otherwise, it you know it can always fall apart. Anything you know, plans can change. So, of course, we're uh, very much like that. I re I remember issue 14 of Power Slam. Um, I did the cover. It was actually Shawn Michaels on the cover in your house two coverage, and um. I someone arranged an interview for me with Raven when he was very quite new in the character, don't be around maybe about six months at that point in ECW. Yeah. Um, so I did the cover and Raven was there on the cover. So then I rang Raven up to do the interview, and um he didn't want to talk about anything that he'd done prior to being Raven. And obviously been Scotty Flamingo, Scotty the Body, Johnny Polo, you know, Scott Anthony down in um, Georgia for Global. So he'd had like quite a long career prior to Raven. Um, but uh, he was, he, you know, this was 95. Kayfabe was still with us. You know, it, a lot of people who weren't following wrestling then might not realize that. But a lot of people were still Kayfabe and a lot of people were really sticking with it. And he was like, well, I, I'm not going to talk to you about anything that I've done prior to Raven. So we couldn't do the interview. So I ended up having to change the cover. Happily, the magazine hadn't gone to press. Um, so I had to change the cover and remove any mention of his name on the front because there was no interview. So, yes, that's I'm not sure if I've told that story before. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, wow. OK. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm ha I'll happily take an exclusive. Yeah. 
That's yeah. I remember speaking to him, and he was. He, I was. You know, I was a bit. You know, irked at first, but once he explained it, it I was like, you know what? Yeah, it was a fair point because had he, as this Raven character, started talking about being the zany Johnny Polo, um, you know, in a sense, you might say, well, it's not going to affect his character in ECW, but he was fully committed to that character, and he believed that character was going to be a turning point for him which it was yeah. and he didn't want to do anything to jeopardize it so i absolutely respected his decision okay. a couple more things before I let you go i know i've taken up a lot of your time already do you miss the uh do you miss the hotline <laughs> what, the power sun hotline back <laughs> yeah. in the day yeah <laughs> um well i certainly miss the money it made <laughs> <laughs> i can tell you that um you know, it did very well for a lot of years before the internet arrived or before, well, not before the internet arrived, before everyone had the internet. Um, now, I think 97 was probably the best year for the whole line. Um, yeah, I mean, I do. Yeah. I mean, it was it was actually quite a lot of pressure that yeah, I would actually have got some of the scripts somewhere because you had to do a six minute message yeah. and you wanted to include as much information as possible. So you'd script it all out every word right and you'd have to record it in i think it was five parts the uh the message i think it was like a maximum of 90 seconds or 60 i can't remember what it was but you couldn't do like a six minute thing you had to do about five parts and by do and also talking really quickly for six minutes even with a script it's very difficult to do that and not trip over your words or get something wrong or make a mistake so it was it was actually more work than you might think it was to do that hotline. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was it was a really important part of the magazine. You've read, I think you've read Pro Wrestling through the past some years. Uh, yes, I've got that. It's, like I said, it's, it's still on my phone. It's, I don't keep many books on my phone, but that one's still there. Like, right, well, that's my first book in case you, yeah. you didn't know on Amazon. And that's the history of Power Slam and Superstars Wrestling, the magazine. Um, that was Power Slam's forerunner and, you know, big history. That's only a very small part, but mostly it's a history of pro wrestling between 92 and 2015. Um, so uh, um, as I explained in that book, had it not been for the hotline, um, Power Slam would never have happened um, because superstars of wrestling, when we took it over, Colin and I, Colin Borman, my then partner, he was the editor of WCW magazine back in, uh, between 95 and 99, I think it was. Um, and, you know, had it not been for the phone line, we would never have done the magazine. And the magazine during the dark times of late 94, 95, 96, you know, the hotline was basically keeping the magazine afloat because the magazine wasn't really making much money. So, yeah, I do miss it in the sense that, you know, it was a big part of the history of that magazine. Um, but, you know, and in the end, you know, technology just moved on, the internet arrived, people didn't need to ring hotlines anymore. So it had its run and it, and it was good in its day. So I think the answer is yes, but in other ways, I'm also glad that I don't have to be somewhere every Tuesday and Friday and Monday morning to do a message. I can now take time off and do things and I've got yeah. more, more of a flexible sort of working life than I than I do with the hotline where you had to do those 
uploads that you know on those days every week without fail i mean it's, it's different it's, it must be it's going to be difficult to explain this to younger listeners or viewers like but what we essentially have here is the mean gene slash sean oliver of of like the uh the mid to late 90s in in youthin because you did the hotline which means gene had his own hotline which always he was always plugging on wcw shows yeah and you did the you did the interviews in the magazine which you know this was before the shoot interviews the kayfabe commentaries all that stuff was you know before all the rf video stuff that came out you know you we yeah. came looking to power slam for those interviews for i mean the one with mick foley not long after hell in a cell that's right issue 50 that's, uh, that's an absolute classic yeah. yeah yeah that was a really good interview yeah you know always be grateful to mick for um you know making the time to speak to power slam there and previously to that we spoke in 95 after king of death match we think we spoke back in 94 actually in the uh dying days of superstars of wrestling i think we talked uh, shortly after the you know the vader match with him losing the ear so um so yeah mick was always um you know back in those days you know made a lot of time for the magazine i'll always be grateful for that I mean, let's let's wrap it because, like I said, I've taken up enough of your time already, Finn. Um, I'm sure you've got much more pressing matters at hand. <laughs> well, yeah. not well. You know, I'm all right for another ten minutes. Let's wrap it. Let's let's go till half nine. So let's go another okay. minutes. If there's anything else you want to discuss, uh, there there is a there's always plenty of wrestling to discuss. Um, so we be staying up to watch Dynamite tonight. Me? Yes. No. <laughs> same no chance no way no i mean i haven't you know back in the day i didn't used to stay up and watch the shows because it was just exhausting you know and i was working long hours back in the power slam days and um i think i, I think i stayed up to watch i think royal rumble 95 and 96 and fell asleep during it and um but it's not something i've ever done um you know, sorry, I'm 53 and <laughs> been doing this a long time, but staying up late to watch. Oh, no, no, I, I, I watched Royal Rumble. I tell you what, I went up to Glasgow with the Inside the Ropes people. I watched Royal Rumble 2018 and Royal Rumble 2020. So I did watch those live with other people. So, but I think those are the last two shows that I watched live. Gosh, we only really stay up for WrestleMania now. Like that's okay. it's the right. one, yeah. It's the one that you can, you know, you can sort of like make a block for two nights and then you know, and with NXT on the day as well. It's just there's so much to get through in like Yeah, I mean the long short, shot. Yeah. I mean it's not too bad now. WrestleMania's over two nights, but I mean that last time was it twenty nineteen? Was the last time they did it over one night? Yeah, it was or was it twenty eighteen with Becky? No, twenty nineteen, wasn't it? Becky Lynch and uh, Ronda and Charlotte in the main Charlotte, event yeah. in 2019. So, uh, but was that like a, over seven hours? I think the show that night was something unbelievable, wasn't with it? A, with a pre-show, I imagine. Yeah, it was. It was close to that. It's... Yeah, and obviously 2020, we had the COVID and lockdown, and everything changed, didn't it? How did how did you adapt during COVID times? Uh, well, we carried on doing the recordings, carried on doing the podcasts, um, and. Um, you know, um, Inside the Ropes magazine launched that year, September. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was weird. But, you know, I work alone and uh, work from home. 
So it wasn't for me, it wasn't really that odd. I mean, I had, I had an office back in the power slam days um, but in 2016, you know, I wasn't making as much money as I once was. So I had to make some changes. You cut your cloth, don't you? You, uh, you have to adapt and economize when, uh, when circumstances uh, demand it. So that's what I had to do. So yeah, I was working from home. So I, I carried on doing things throughout. So it was obviously a very you know, weird time for us all. I think it's going to take many, many years for us to recover from this. And, um, you know, there's people I've spoke, spoke to recently who um, still haven't really got back to normal. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there who are still trying to re readjust to, to life. And, you know, I think it was it was a really tough thing for everyone. So for all sorts of reasons. How, do, how about you? How do you cope with it? Were you... Uh, we, what 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 we, what do you what did you do did did you work from home or how did you get through it well no i i carried on working i my job is uh so it's a weird one but i'll uh i'll explain to you after we hit after we hit the stop recording button <laughs> <laughs> but no i carried on working and okay. um in the middle of that we decided to start a wrestling podcast so it was i mean i can't really complain too much because this came out of covid and you know we needed we needed something to do Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you had to have a purpose, didn't you? Yeah. You just did, you know. And if you if you didn't, you would you were just gonna go, you were just gonna go crazy. So um, yeah, we all need a purpose in life, don't we? Otherwise, we're gonna go. You know, that's what we all need to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow. I always say we need a purpose. We need something to do. Whose whose idea was it to make inside the ropes covers look almost exactly like power slams? Uh, well. The last few months I've been doing those covers. Yes. The reason they look like power slam is because I do them. Yeah, <laughs> so, that makes sense. So, you know, inside of the Rob's magazine, you know, it's obviously influenced by power slam. So, um, you know, I guess it stands to reason that the covers would look a little bit like power slam as well. So, um, so that's that. <laughs> do you go to the uh, inside the ropes, like the the big interview nights and stuff? Do you go on those trips or? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not part of the crew, but I have been to uh, some of those shows. I saw Goldberg in 2017, I think it was. And I saw Shawn Michaels possibly the next year or maybe the year after that. I can't remember exactly which year that was. And Dustin Rhodes as well really enjoyed that. Um, I think they're the only three I've been to. He's, he doesn't usually, because I live in Lancaster, yeah. and they were held in Manchester. No, I went to an awesome Kong one as well. Really enjoyed that. And um, I ended up having to leave early because the last train home was, like, early. And she was so entertaining, you know. And um, she was um, – it was a shame more people weren't there. But, um, no, I'm not a part of the crew that helps out, but I have been to a few of the shows, and I've always really enjoyed them. I know Eric Bischoff is coming over – I think is it next month? I think it's September. Yes, he he's coming to London, isn't he? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So see, um, London, London things are we're we're in like we're in Hertfordshire, so London trips are very are much easier than the Manchester, oh, you know, of course, Glasgow yeah. ones. Yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. Although we have did. You we any, did have you been to any of those shows? Uh, I haven't. No. Um, like I said, like we have, we've always talked about it. We've always like 
you know, shall we do it? Shall we go? And then for whatever reason, it, oh, it's Glasgow, oh, it's, you know, Manchester. It's oh, it's yeah, a bit well, it's a bit far. Like, that's all, Yeah, absolutely. That's a long way from where you saying are. That we, did, we did go to Cardiff for Clash at the Castle as well. So like, maybe maybe we shouldn't really complain about the length of a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he puts on a really good, really entertaining show. It's totally different to what I do when I'm doing an interview with someone. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, it's it's a stage show, which is for the audience, and and um, I think it works really well. So, um, you know, yeah, Eric Bischoff is coming over, and I'm I'm not sure who else he's got coming up. And if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, are you are you going to the Eric Bischoff show? Uh, no, I'm not. No, no I'm not. Um, because you know there isn't one near me. So, uh, and I'd like to tell you more about that, but. I'm probably best not mentioning that either. So no, I am hoping enough. maybe to have a chat with Eric at some point. I can say that maybe. Excellent. <laughs> that was almost said like in a very Eric way. So yeah. that, that was good. <laughs> um, what what more can I say? Finn, I've, I'm super grateful that you've given us your time tonight and, you know, had a hell of a chat. I'm, I mean, I, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always interesting to talk about, you know, lots of different things and, um, you know, that, that whole, you know, click and AW, uh, you know, analogy or comparison, you know, never, never really occurred to me until I I went off on my tangent and everything. So that's, that's what I do. And that's what these podcasts are all about going off on tangents. I always say it happens a lot on our show, uh, mainly from, yeah, Mainly from my co-host, but yeah, yeah. Uh, who's like sadly not with us tonight, but I'm sure he would yeah. love to chat to you. So maybe down the line, we'll love to have you on again and you can yeah, chat. Yeah, by all means. Yeah, by all means. Yeah. You know, just let me know. And uh, if there's a particular topic that you want to discuss, I'm, you know, I'm up for it. So I'm absolutely up for it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you thanks for, for allowing on. me to plug inside the ropes. I appreciate that. Inside the ropes in stores now because um this show will be out on the friday so it will be out by then so pick up your copy now from all good magazine stockists indeed and here it is again it's got it's got j on the front betrayal i mean what an amazing cover for that is isn't it that's a stunning shot isn't it that it's uh it takes me back those covers absolutely I mean, I only, well, I tell you what, in all the years I did Power Slam, I never had a cover photo that good, I don't think. Maybe once or twice I did. I remember having a really good one at Goldberg. I think it was issue, could have been 107. That was a hell of a cover. I did have some really, really good covers, actually, but that one there is stunning. You know, just with the, you know, him communicating, you know, that the feelings of betrayal that his brother has just cost him the title and... You know, he's just there, demoralised. You know, what's happened? You know, what do I do next? It's just all there. You know, I might as well have been a director saying, you know, give me more. This is your motivation, Jay. You know, give me more feeling. You know, he might as well have been there, just directing him just off camera. <laughs> I, I mean, like, as as uh, I believe it was uh, the, the Vince McMahon puppet would say, you know, really good shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Very well put. Finn, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Oh, you're yeah. very welcome. Thanks for having really me. Appreciate I'm, sure it. Do, I'm sure do this again sometime. Take care, my friend. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Finn Martin from Inside the Ropes, formerly of Power Slam. We can't thank him enough for joining us tonight and giving us a whole heap of things to talk about tomorrow. 
if you are still here and at the end of this we thank you we cannot appreciate you guys more for subscribing liking listening watching doing those things if you haven't already done it the like and subscribe on youtube is there if you are listening hit give us a five star review there's so many listening stations now to get us i I'm not the one that lists him, it's Chris. He is not with us, of course, tonight. So with that, I will say thank you to everyone that's still here. I am JB. The man usually sit next to me, the best Chris in all of wrestling podcasts. We'll be back next week. What else can I say? But take care, everyone. We'll see you soon.